As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. Thank you, Jerome, for agreeing to be the inaugural interview episode on Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Just thank you, my friend. I don't even know if I had a choice whether or not to accept it. I think there's at least two podcasts where you were the inaugural guest. So (laughs) I mean, returning a favor at least at the minimum, man. I'm just grateful to be with you. We've been running around. You've been building your thing. I've been trying to fly my thing. And so the catch up is always amazing and really excited about the opportunity to share some space with you. man. No, man, it, it is great. And when I was thinking about who's the first guest, I want to do interview episodes because we, we're in we're in right now when we're recording this, we're 21, 22 episodes in. When this will air, it'll probably be somewhere 26 episodes because we're working on a few other things. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, people have been hearing me talk about things ad nauseum, whether it's been about leadership, work-life balance, you know, really the, the episode that's about to air, but by this time it would have aired is you know, engineers, let your light shine, you know, brighten the world. Because, you know, as you know, I believe that we all have a gift and a light on the inside of us. So people have been hearing me talk. It's been great. But I want to provide value to our listeners, particularly as we expand our topics to include things like more effective communication and increasing your capacity to lead. And I know much more about your story than probably most of our listeners, but there are several places that they can find stuff about you. But very briefly, could you give the podcast audience just a brief introduction about yourself? Yeah. So I'm a corporate America dropout, man. That's the way I talk about it. That's the story I tell because one, I think a lot of people are climbing the wrong ladder. And then for the folks who found the right ladder and they're climbing all the way to the top, I don't want them to feel like, you know, that's all that there is. There's so much more outside of life. And so when I left corporate America, I left because I had to lay people off multiple years in a row after building a $20 million division for a Fortune 550. Now, I was employee number two. And over the course of about nine months, we grew that to about 175 employees. And that year ended well. We had 30% profit margins, but we still had to let about half of that team go at the beginning of the next year, it broke my heart. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do if I don't use my engineering background? I'm not using project management in the traditional sense of deployment of that skill set. And what I realized was I had this dream that was on the shelf from college where I wanted to own apartment buildings and I didn't know how to do it. And couldn't run down the hall and ask dad because, you know, he was a soldier and my mom stayed at home with me the majority of my life. So we didn't have that network where there were multi-million dollar portfolios and multi-millionaires kind of hanging around at the house. And so I figured, hey, I'll, I'll go do the corporate thing and that way I'll have some experience and maybe people would be willing to lend to me at that point. And when I got into the multifamily space, I found out pretty quickly that my hypothesis was wrong. 
And it was then that I realized that I should be seeking counsel for the things that I want to actually achieve. And so, James, you catch me at a time in my life where I'm in the middle of another pivot. And the question, the foundational question that I'm asking myself, am I a real estate guy who happens to coach or am I a coach who happens to have some real estate? And the response that I get for the people who know me well is pretty overwhelming on what that makeup for me is. And I have been, I don't know, turning my back on that. And so I I share that as context as we go into this conversation, because we're going to be unpacking some things for me because of your unique skill set that may be helpful for the listener who is out there. And they know that they're in this place where they're asking this one question. Is this it? Is there more? Yeah. Is it? Is that it? Is there more? Jerome, as you know, the framework that I use is in the engineer's blueprint. So it's that four-step process. You're going to, one, focus on what matters most. So determine what is it that actually matters to you. Then you're going to look at how you're using your time. Does your time actually line up with what you're saying matters to you? And if it doesn't, then, you know, I ask my clients to spend some time visualizing what is it that they actually want? What is the life that they want? Then we design a plan and we execute that plan because if you don't execute, you're not going to have what you want. So in your case, I know what my answer would be in terms of people were to say, you know, is Jerome a real estate guy that happens to coach or is he a coach that owns real estate and can teach real estate? But it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what you think. So when you're when you're going through this and you're thinking through this, what does Jerome think? Yeah. The question, the answer to that question is I don't know, right? Mm, As I look at the opportunities that are in front of me and I look at the things that I'm doing and I look at how I'm spending my time, how I'm spending my time is a very clear indicator to your point of what's actually happening in my world. And I'm spending over half of my time on coaching, maybe as much as 75% of my time on coaching. So based on the engineer's blueprint, I'm a coach who has some real estate, but Mm-hmm. I knew there was a but coming. big but. There's a big <laughs> but. The reason why you buy real estate is because it doesn't take a whole lot of your time. Mm-hmm. And so there is the conundrum for me. And as I go into the marketplace, I, I want to be really, really clear about what we're doing, right? Because I, I don't, it's confusing for some people, right? When somebody comes to me and, you know, your focus is on engineers, engineering leaders, and helping those organizations take it to the top level because mm-hmm. that's what your track record is, right? You help organizations get to that next level. And for me, I, I'm more focused on those people who are playing in the financial services space, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I really love people who are, they've got this thing and they're going in and helping people make sense of the financial chaos that's in their world. Not that they don't know where their money is or where it's going, but they've got more money than they know what to do with. <laughs> and I know a lot of people out there are like, man, I wish I had that problem. Well, I can tell you, you could have that problem if you're working in your unique gift and James can help you unpack all that. But for me, the people who are actually doing that work, serving that group of people have a ton of issues that they're working through and working on. And so I get extreme joy out of helping them navigate those challenges. And it's a culmination of all the things that I've done up until this point. And it's interesting because I do 
believe that the real estate actually fits really neatly into our overall model because we've got that six step framework or six, you know, concentric circle framework called the red pill mm-hmm. or our model for a centered life and level five is prosperity. And that real estate, you know, you kind of shoehorn it in there, you get in there because right or wrong, everybody's biggest purchase is usually some form of real estate and the ability to be able to evaluate that is super important so that they make a great decision. So all, all things being said, I don't think the coaching you need, it fits really well into the real estate stuff. Mm. For the pure real estate people, they actually see coaching as a distraction. They, they see it as, oh, you're just trying to make some extra money or some of the other stuff. And so I'm wondering if in 2022, if it's, it's a different conversation for me. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that makes sense. When you start to think through, and I think a lot of the listeners may find themselves in this conundrum. You are good at several things, right? So you're good at real estate. You're good at teaching people how to evaluate and acquire multifamily properties. You know, your jam has been joint ventures, teaching people how to do joint ventures. You have that down pat. You're also good at coaching people, good at really giving precise insight to help your clients and the people that you work with to really move forward and keep pushing the boundaries of their peak performance. So what do you do when you find yourself in a situation where you're good at both? Because I think that's where you find yourself. And, you know, this is what I'm putting my thumb on it, right? So we're going through this leadership bullpen, which we're doing for a pretty large financial services company. We've got three groups of leaders around the state of Virginia that we're meeting with on a monthly basis. And we're discussing different content. And so one of the books in that curriculum is Good to Great. Mm -hmm. And they talk about this hedgehog concept. They talk about your ability to be the best in the world at something. They talked about Kimberly Clark selling the mills that which was the foundation of their business because they were going all in on consumer products. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if I'm at that point where I've got to decide, can I be best in the world at real estate investing? Or do I believe I could be best in the world at coaching folks in financial services? And are these two things a distraction? And is there expansion through the consolidation? This is this time when I'm alone on the runs and in meditation, (laughs) I'm contemplating because what I watch happen with my clients is they're they're doing one or two things and I'm pushing them to do it. So it's easy when you're pushing, right? And you and I go back and forth with it. I'm I'm pushing and saying, look, man, if you give up this one thing, if you you give up this thing that you've been holding on to, you'll be rewarded for it. And they're like, I don't know if I could do it. And like, if you do it, you're experiencing something you never experienced before and they do it and lift off exponential Exponential growth, exponential Exponential growth, growth, right? No, no linear exponential. And then I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, man, but I remember when times were hard because I jumped out of corporate America and had a hard land and there was, there was nobody ready to sign up and pay me to do anything. And I couldn't get a loan for my real estate and I didn't know if I wanted to be a rehabber or an apartment owner. Well, I knew I wanted to be an apartment owner, but I didn't know how to get there. And so I, I've cobbled together all these things to create what I consider to be some form of a business. And 
do I want to let any of that go? Because there's this feeling of security, right? (laughs) I I feel safe because I got different streams and so on and so forth. But I don't know. I'm questioning this. And, you know, the last thing I say, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. The last thing I'll say on this point is, you know, I was hanging out with a group of uh, coaches and thought leaders last week. And one of the organizers of that group came up to me and she said, uh, when I'm around you, I feel like an imposter. Mm. And I said, well, people have paid thousands of dollars and flown thousands of miles to come spend time with you. In no way are you actually an imposter. And we're not going to part ways without you understanding that because that's not why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And she said, but you live and breathe this stuff. Like, this is what you really do. Yeah, I do. But that has nothing to do with you and your impact or your capacity. So with all of that converging, you know, Am I am I being dense? Am I am I the the girl who doesn't know that the guy has the crush on her and she's just kind of floating along and not paying attention to what's happening around her? I I, I don't know, but again, this well, being, is morning being, meditation. Being somewhat familiar with your framework and the whole taking the red pill, describe to me what stops people from taking the red pill. Oh, ignorant bliss. I think their attachment to that. Right? Yeah. There's a framework that they have accepted to be true. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not serving them, they stay in that space because it's familiar. Right. Do you need to have a second red pill moment when you Man, begin to, to look at a pill every day? When, when you, <laughs> but when you begin to look at what you're doing in the real estate education space, because you're always going to be a real estate investor, that's not going to change. You're going to invest in real estate. You're going to be invest in apartments. That will not change. But I think when it comes time to the education, more operating perspective, do you need to take a red pill when you begin to look at that? It's a great question. I do know a couple of things, and this has been a gradual thing over the past two quarters. One, I decided that I'm not teaching the course live anymore, right? Mm -hmm. That was a meaningful source of revenue in 2020. Uh, We helped some people go to the next level from an educational standpoint. I think we're beginning to see some people get some deals done, which is really exciting. But I don't think that we charged enough for the people who went through to compel them to take action. Mm-hmm. Right. It was okay. uncomfortable, but it wasn't like I got to go do something now that I've made the investment. Mm-hmm. And so for me to invest time repetitively for that outcome is incredibly unfulfilling for me. Okay. In fact, it's disappointing. Right. I want to open the door. I want to create environments and access for people who traditionally don't get that type of access. But my time is so, so, so valuable. And to spend it, especially giving up my evenings, yeah, to do something that isn't yielding an immediate result is no other word for it, but unfulfilling and disappointing. Okay. So what is your timeline for making a decision? I don't know that anything pushes it outside of capacity, right? So there's but so many hours that can be worked. And I mean, you, you've seen the calendar here recently. There's, <laughs> there's not much time to do anything, even get on the phone with friends. And so, you know, that is rewarding. But in the same breath, it also makes me question, well, am I going down the right path? Because part of the goal is time freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how do I put a bow on all of that and get it to a space and a place where 
I'm having the cake and eating it too. And that I, I, I don't have clear line of sight on, right? It's great to have an apartment portfolio that's throwing cash or growing in value so that you can exit and have a, a nice equity experience, but not having to show up at a particular place at a particular time in order to earn income. And doing the coaching stuff would be in direct opposition to achieving that outcome. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. Okay. So what means more to you, time freedom or your level of enjoyment and fulfillment in what you do? So I'm not convinced that those things are mutually exclusive. They're not, but based on your own words and in this conversation. Here we go. He's taking me through step one. Based on your own words and in this conversation, they are somewhat exclusive. You talk about real estate from the standpoint of the time freedom that it provides, but in terms of the real estate education and the way things are set up with a live course, it's a drain on your time. You don't get fulfillment from spending your time that way. You talk mm-hmm. about the coaching and you look at your calendar and it is filled. You know, ladies and gentlemen, his calendar is chock filled of, you know, with appointments. There are people that are on the waiting list to get in line to kind of talk to Jerome, but that's where you get fulfillment. So it, it fills up your time, but it also fills you up on the inside. Mm-hmm. It does. But if I, for instance, I, I, I just broke 725 calls for the year, right? Mm-hmm. If I want to take a week off, in some ways, I feel like I'm letting a client down because we don't have our touch point. Mm-hmm. And so those things are challenging for me because I've got this traumatic experience in middle school where I feel like if I let somebody down, then something bad is really going to happen. And I don't want to be a part of that. So in some ways, yes, I agree. They are mutually exclusive. The problem that I'm trying to solve because I want to optimize life is how do I do both? On the course, I decided in September, I'm not, or October, I'm not going to teach it live anymore. So Mm -hmm. there's a virtual self-paced option for people who want to learn that from us. From the coaching standpoint, because everything is customized to the person in real time, I don't have any option for spinning that off. And uh, I I can have location freedom, Mm -hmm. but in order for things to happen, most of the time we have to be in the same place at the same time like we are right now. Okay. So again, going back to- This is step one of the engineer's blueprint. (laughs) I know what he's doing. (laughs) I know what he's doing to me. So let's go back to the blueprint. And let's imagine this life that you want, right? With the coaching and whatever the real estate, whatever shape that takes. What does that look like? Yeah. So I've got this really cool affirmation I haven't shared with anybody, but this is the life that I want, right? And I think I've got some of it, but I don't have all of it. And so it goes something like this. The truth is I love and value myself. The truth is my children know who I truly am and they adore my essence. The truth is my partners anticipate my needs and support me before I ask. The truth is my inner circle sees my unique gifts and helps me use them to make the world a more enjoyable place. 
The truth is I travel the world with the people I care for most, doing things that make us smile from the inside out. The truth is money comes to me in excess of what I need before I need it without struggle. The truth is my net worth is $10 million. And the truth is everyone I come in contact with is better because of our encounter. These things are the truth. And because they are the truth, they must be so. The thing that coaching does, where coaching fits in this affirmation is I'm able to use my unique gifts to help make the world a more enjoyable place. Some of the events that we put together will allow me and the folks that I'm working with in coaching to travel the world and do things that make us smile from the inside out. The other thing that coaching does is it allows money to come to me and assess of what I need before I need it without struggle. Mm -hmm. The final piece that I think is probably the most important piece is I can't serve as a coach if I don't love and value myself. And so coaching forces all of those things to happen by virtue of me doing them, right? The thing is, so that's my vision for life. That's what life is. I don't know the mechanism. I I, I don't decide any of those things, right? But what Mm -hmm. I do know is that's when I got to the end of the road, if somebody was reading my eulogy and they could say these things about me, I would feel really good about the experience that I had here on planet Earth. Okay, okay. So when you think about that affirmation, and you visualize all of those truths about you. You talked about where coaching fits in. Where does real estate fit in that? Yeah, it's funny. I think the net worth piece, it's going to be really hard to get to 10 million in equities. And I don't think my crypto portfolio is going to go there. So <laughs> we'll see. But I don't think it's going to happen, right? So the 10 million in net worth, I think real estate has to be a big part of that. And, you know, one of the things that, me and Lee and Kaya talk about regularly is why do we own apartment buildings? And, mm-hmm. you know, it gives me an opportunity to connect with them and teach them about things and give them a perspective. And it's my hope in exposing them to that thing that they see who I am, why I am, and that allows them to see my essence. And so that for me is pretty important. And then I guess the last piece is just the partners, right? And so yeah. when I do deals, I want to do them with the the most amazing people on planet earth. And I think we've been able to do a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you, you absolutely have. So then if you're looking at that truth and the truth is going to happen because it is so, then the vehicle for that truth doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's real estate or coaching, you continue to say how great the coaching is. And you mentioned the real estate almost begrudgingly, But it comes back into play when you think about equity, when you think about the wealth, when you think about the value, those things are going to be there because you're going to continue to invest. Now, the question is, do you want to operate and do you want to put deals together? Yeah. And that question is one that has to be answered because the past year has been frustrating, right? Yeah. You're trying to force deals to work. You're trying to get people to pay rent. You're trying to do all of these things and uh, none of them are enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. Those problems that you're solving are because people aren't doing what they are supposed to be, not yeah. because somebody's trying to move to the next level. And I think that piece is really clear for me at this point mm-hmm. is I enjoy solving problems for people trying to grow to the next level. 
And this is part of the reason why I stopped flipping houses. I don't want to babysit adults. <laughs> I don't want to check in on people who aren't yeah. doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. The great thing about coaching is that, you know, you and your client collaboratively work together to get to that next level. If a client's not willing to work, they're not really, not really going to work as a client uh, because they, you absolutely have to come to that coaching relationship, wanting to work, wanting to improve something, wanting to achieve something. And so when we have coaching clients and we have that connection, it's great because you want to help them improve. They want to improve. So you're rowing the boat in the same direction with a similar cadence and you can make progress. When you're with someone that doesn't want to work, you're trying to row and you're saying, come on. And they're waiting for you to do something that's not conducive to a good client coaching relationship. Not at all. And, you know, my my barometer for whether or not somebody is a client is, are you going to complicate my life or compliment it? And if you're going to complicate it, then I have no desire to be a part of it. Okay. okay. But I really want you to think through what is it that you want? And if those truths are the way that you're going to visualize your life, what's going to help you get there? Is it primarily through coaching and ownership of real estate? So that you're able to include both, or I think you're going to have to make a decision from a time perspective, because if you continue to operate, put together deals, do things within the real estate space, that will demand your time. And I think psychologically, it will demand some mental capacity because you're doing these deals with partners. And as you said before, you have an issue, you know, letting people down, feeling as if you let people down. You don't want to let people down. So again, are you going to take on more partners? Are you going to do more deals? Are you going to grow in that way? I don't think so. Yeah. I, your assessment is correct, sir. No, I, no, I just mean, I don't, I don't think so. And so it's getting to that point. One of the things you talk about from a red pill perspective is that people are in corporate America. They're, they get comfortable with their cushy jobs. They're kind of in the matrix and they don't want to know. They want something better. They want something different. But there's whatever fear it may be or some kind of reluctance to actually take that dive. You've taken that dive from corporate America into real estate. I challenge you now to get ready to take another dive because you're not going to be able to do both. I don't think you're going to be able to do both. Separation season. Here we go. Let's go. No, I, I, I just I don't. And this may not be an ICF coaching moment, but it's a James Bryant better you for you kind of coaching moment because we talk about this from a marketing perspective and any business owners that are out there, you will know they talk about niching down and you niche down so that you can actually broaden and expand your impact. So for me, I could talk about work-life balance. I could talk about leadership. I can talk about coaching, training, all of these things. But if I'm trying to talk to everyone, no one is going to hear me. So I decided about a year ago to really niche down to engineers I am an engineer. Jerome's an engineer. We have engineering backgrounds. We both went to that great institution of higher education, North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. You better say the whole name. <laughs> North Carolina A&T. And no, it is not AT&T. It is North Carolina A&T. And so just thinking through, you know, what is it? that you really want to do and you begin to niche down. So I niche down to engineers. And now 
I'm beginning to get traction with other engineers because I'm speaking directly to them. Whether it's the tagline of engineers are people too, understanding that before you were an engineer, you were a person, you know, and you still have people issues that you have to deal with. And, and so for you, I see this as Jerome, is it time for you to niche down to where you really want to focus your time and effort? And if time freedom is what you want, niching down may help you create the structure or the business model or that you need that can provide you the freedom that you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm paying a whole lot of money, $100,000 for coaching to go through this, right? And the mm-hmm. whole point is to talk to somebody who's built that business, mm-hmm. right? And ask them the questions and get the feedback and the pointers because what happens when you're a high performer and, you know, you've got people in your audience who are listeners like, man, I don't need a coach, right? But when you're a high performer, it's like a golf swing. And maybe there's people out there who have another swim with golf club, but it's these tweaks, these minor tweaks, these adjustments in the angles that change the trajectory yes. and allows you to get to that exponential growth, Yes, right? And that exponential growth would never happen if you didn't have that expert watching over your shoulder, making suggestions here, having somebody that you can actually walk through and have that feedback loop with as you're rattling and rolling around these ideas. And I got the greatest compliment yesterday, man. I was talking to a guy who came into the program about three months ago and he said, you know, Jerome, talking to you about this stuff versus talking to myself about these things restores or gives me so much more clarity than I had when I was talking to myself. And I was like, yeah. well, you know, I, I, I laughed about it. And I was like, well, make sure other people don't see you talking to yourself. But, you know, <laughs> the point is, you know, when you're running your own business and you don't have anybody to vent to or discuss the things that you're working through with, you put yourself in a really tough situation. Because mm-hmm. if you go down, then people get scared. You go try to talk to your significant other. They probably don't even care a majority of the time, or maybe they don't understand. And you could go out and get a partner, but you're giving up a significant piece of your business. So why not go out and make the investment in somebody who is there with a vested interest in asking you to do what's best for you, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of times we don't, we're, we're fixers, right? So we we don't feel like we need to put our mask on first. But you need somebody there to say, hey, what about your self-care, right? Yeah. What about you? And how is this going to impact you when you make this decision? And is that acceptable? Because if not, then all this is for nothing. And, you know, I'll go off the deep end and say a lot of us, when we're doing well, we're saying we're doing it for our family and this, that, and the third. But if you don't have any time or energy for the people after you do the thing, then I don't know how you're actually doing it for them. So yeah, I'm sorry, James. It's just a rant. I'm sorry. No, no, you're not ranting. You know, I absolutely agree. You know, we are aligned in uh, that thought process, man. So, you know, one, we didn't talk about this and we may be able to mix this up, but give a, a little bit about your engineering background. And then this is one part of the story that I want you to answer because I don't think I've ever heard you talk about it. Uh-oh. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about it. Uh-huh. And that is, in fact, we, we don't even have to talk about the background. We can we can get there. But th- this is the part of the story. You, you know, you talk about leaving corporate America and then going into real estate. But while you were in corporate America, you started Myers Development Company. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so I started my career in 2005 and started my company in 2006. Okay, why did you start the company? Because I want to be a real estate guy. I, okay. I always thought that that was a part of the grand plan. Okay, and that real estate, because you wanted to be a developer, you wanted to develop real estate, what did you want to do? Yeah, so there was two things. I wanted to develop people and I wanted to develop places. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be able to change the landscape, and but I also wanted to be able to help people get peak or maximum performance because there's a meaningful difference between somebody who's intentionally working on their business and themselves and those who are not. And so, you know, I've heard you several times talk about the red pill moment that you even mentioned here when you had to lay off folks, that was it. You're ready. You're going to leave. But it sounds to me that you were laying the groundwork to do something different from the beginning. Without question. Without question. I am walking in, living in the space that I wanted to live in over a decade ago. Okay. I am here right now. I am ecstatic and grateful <laughs> for the fact that this thing has actually worked out the way that it has without a shadow of a doubt. And so you were, you were what I guess some of our circles would be a happy, a happy corporate employee for a little while, but you always had something that you were angling toward even while you were making great contributions in your engineering career. Yeah. It's funny. I was a slave to the golden handcuffs, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was locked in. I was making so much money that I didn't know how I could go backwards if I wanted to, to do my own thing. And mm-hmm. that was the terrifying piece is, well, what do you do? Sell the car or move out the house? <laughs> what do you do? But, at, but even while you were in that, those golden handcuffs, did you quit? Did you close up your company? Oh, no. We kept putting them off. <laughs> okay. So, so even then, right. And I say this because there may be people that are out there that are in that situation. They're working. They have the golden handcuffs. They may actually like their job. That doesn't preclude you from starting your company or doing some things that you want to do to give you joy and fulfillment on the side. And that thing can eventually grow. And as Jerome said, hey, it's decades later and he is actually living the life that he formed the company decades ago to do. I think that's an important kind of thing. I haven't heard you talk about that much. Not talked about it at all. I haven't heard you talk about that much. So I want to wrap this up. This has been a great interview. It goes along the theme that we as engineers were multifaceted. We have some of the same struggles that other people have. You know, we may be working in different professions or different things now, whether it's coaching or real estate, but we have this logical background where we kind of are looking at things in certain ways. Uh, But one of the things I wanted to kind of get from you before, um, you know, you left, if there were like three things that you would say are key for success, what would those three things be? Clarity on what success looks like commitment to do whatever it takes for however long it takes until you achieve that outcome. Mm-hmm. And once you make the decision to go, not ever considering going back. Okay. All right. Clarity. So you got to get clarity, clarity on what it is you want to do. So it's, it's more like defining what the success look like for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what does success look like? You absolutely have to be clear on what it is you want to do. And once you design that plan, once you make that decision to do it, you got to attack it. You absolutely have to attack it. Well, my friend, this has been great. I want to thank you for this initial inaugural interview. 
Is there anything else that you would like to provide to our listeners just in terms of, or maybe I, I forgot, please forgive me. How can people get in contact with you if they want yeah, to connect man. with you? Yeah. So JeromeMyers.co is a place you can pick your journey. Everything's there. Uh, if you want a free guide to getting into multifamily investing, you can grab it, man. It's, it's okay. there for you. We'll make sure that we include that in the show notes. And there, are there any parting words that you have for our listeners? One, this is my thesis on life. Your dreams should be real. And if you haven't heard that, now you're convicted because it's a true statement. And you came all the way to this point of the episode. So you must go off and do because you are responsible for it now. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. We're going to have links to uh, Jerome's webpage and the podcast. I think he has two podcasts that uh, he produces. We'll have those in the show notes. Jerome, thank you. I really appreciate you. It's been great. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.